Hi again, and welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of January 17, 2011. This is episode 89, and I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the podcast, and I'm joined today by... Jackie Ritaco, account coordinator. And Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. I think I like growled over your name, Jackie. I know I was waiting for that to end so I could well, say my piece. So we'll we'll see how that turns out on the final production. Happy New Year! This is actually the first one we've done in 2011. We're a little late to the game, aren't we? Yeah, Happy New Year. That's a busy time. It's crazy. The beginning of the year is always, and the end of the year is always so hectic. It and is. you were traveling. You had a a nice little trip to beautiful. Where'd you go? I forgot. <laughs> Paris? I went to Paris and London. Yeah, it was beautiful, actually. It was amazing. Amazing, amazing. I've never been really overseas to oh, speak of. Yeah, I've only... <laughs> I've, so. My wife and I went to um, London, but London is very... I mean, it's a beautiful city. It's really cool, but it's... Honestly, it doesn't feel a whole lot like you're... Doesn't feel a whole lot different than the U.S. Right. So it doesn't doesn't exactly. there's not a whole lot of culture shock when you go to right. London. Um, but I, I'm I'm imagining there's a little bit of culture shock when you hit uh, Paris. Yeah, definitely, and it it, it it that's what makes it cool is that it's right. different. I mean, I'm, just like you said, Adam, we we only spent two days in London, and that may have been part of it, but we definitely enjoyed Paris more. London was cool. It's huge. Lots of cool things to see, but. Uh, for the most part, it just felt like you were in a big American city, New York right. or something like that. Uh, that Paris is just so old and so beautiful and, you know, different language. Everything's different. So uh, definitely if I had if I had to pick one to go back to again soon, it would be Paris. But just being fair to London, I don't know if I gave it a fair shot. We were only there for two <laughs> days. So, But have you ever been over there, Jackie, to London or Paris? Uh, actually, no, I haven't been to those two places. I've been to a lot of European countries, but never made it to those. So, someday. Where have you been? Spain? I know Spain. Oh, where do I begin? I've been to a lot of them. <laughs> I've been to, I was to Prague, Budapest. I've been to Germany, Italy, Spain, Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, there's more. I did like a tour trips, of it after you... I graduated. Okay, okay. After I graduated college, we spent like a month and a half over there. So I saw quite a few places, but probably didn't do them all justice for the amount of time I was over there. But yeah, it was, I cool. love Europe. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I would definitely like to go back. I would love to see the rest of continental Europe, uh, you know, like Belgium and and those areas. Love to see the south of Europe, Greece and Italy. So, yeah, I highly recommend Italy. Make okay. note. Well, I'll go to Italy. <laughs> I will. It's on my note. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm going to state this now, and I want to see how long we can hold it. We made a we made a, a New Year's resolution before our last podcast, actually, which was a New Year's podcast, but it was done before New Year's, uh, which was to do this live or on video, which we will do at some point. That's right. But the other one is we will not talk about the weather for the entirety of 2011. We're off to Save a good start this. so far. Save we this resolution. That? What's that? We made no, that No, we promise? didn't say that. Oh, I'm saying okay. that right now. 
Well, that's a bummer. I'm saying it right now. I'm stating it publicly. So <laughs> that was the last time we will ever speak of that topic for this entire year. Okay. And if somebody accidentally slips it in, I mean, if it's in the context of healthcare marketing, that's fine. But if it's us whining at the top of the podcast, like we want to do, then Adam, you need to come up with some obnoxious buzzer to beep it out of the show. <laughs> that's fair. I don't, fair. Think I, could you guys, I don't think I could find anything more obnoxious than us talking about the weather. That's true. <laughs> but I'll do my best. Okay. So we, re- we got some good stuff to cover. You ready to dive into this? Let's dive. Let's dive. do it. Dive, dive. Okay, the first one comes to us uh, via via Kent Bottles, who is a physician, blogger, social media guy from the Twin Cities. Uh, I think I've met him once, but I follow him on Twitter and have um, actually talked to him a couple times through Twitter. And I have a Twitter comment if we get to it at the end regarding my trip away, but I'll save that to the end. Anyway, it was, a, it was a story he posted uh, from the Healthcare Blog, which is written by Jane Sarasan Khan. And the title of this blog post was The Myth of Consumer-Directed Directed Healthcare. Uh, and here's the opening. The theory behind consumer-driven healthcare is that when the healthcare user has more financial skin in the game, they'll become more informed and effective purchasers of healthcare for themselves and their families. That theory hasn't translated into practice based on data from the Employee Benefits Research Institute's latest consumer engagement in healthcare survey. Okay, so this author is citing a survey uh, that supposedly shows that despite having skin in the game, people are not becoming more informed or effective purchasers. So I think this is really relevant because I talk about this all the time. Uh, and talking about choice that consumers have in the market and talking about increased competition. Uh, and the third leg to the school, the, to that stool of really what's changing for our clients is the fact that consumers are more empowered uh, because of those reasons and they have more skin in the game. So they have more choice, they have more information, and they have more money on the line, which is going to change the whole equation for how they engage healthcare. So this is saying that, well, no, the third leg of my stool isn't holding up, which actually I, I kind of agree with in general. I don't think people are universally becoming more effective or informed. It's not there yet, but this, this study has a lot of flaws in it. So uh, let me just kind of read the background and we'll get some comments from you guys. So what they did uh, is this group, the EBRI, uh, asked employees with high deductible uh, plans questions concerning cost-conscious health behaviors to see if there was a link between those behaviors uh, and account balances. So their hypothesis was that the higher the account balance somebody had, the more likely that individual engaged in uh, cost-conscious behavior, which is one thing I have a beef with. Uh, So they asked some questions, including things like uh, whether they check if their health plan covers a certain medication, where do they check the price of a doctor's visit, where do they check a quality rating of a hospital, uh, whether talking with the doctor about the cost of treatments and prescriptions is something they do, and where they ask for generic drugs. So in other words, all of those behaviors would represent cost-conscious decisions, and the study thought that the more money you had in your high-deductible plan, the more likely you were to be cost-conscious. And their studies show that there was no... Um, Connection. There was no relationship uh, between account balances and these cost-conscious behaviors. 
which the author then unfortunately goes on to 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 use as proof that having skin in the game doesn't matter. Uh, so don't assume that consumers. Well, I'll read that later because I kind of agree with some of that. But so do do you get the study and you see what her conclusion is based on it? Does that make sense to you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we always love to tear apart research because it's usually easy to do. Are there any? Is there anything in this <laughs> that? You know, is a is a red flag for you guys, a warning sign, maybe. Um. Well, I don't know about. I don't know. I mean, it's not nothing. It's not that surprising. I mean, I, I don't think it should be a shock that there's a correlation between um, those who are more self or more those who are more cost conscious with a higher savings. I mean, I think um, there's, but there's not a correlation. Their studies show there's not. Did you get to that part? There's not a correlation. Right. There's studies show there's no relationship between the level of your count balance and whether or not you're cost conscious, whether it's low or high. And that disproved their theory that people have more money in their accounts are more cost conscious, which the author then takes to say, see, that's more proof that people are not acting in a cost conscious way, even if they have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I it's it's tough to it's tough to just say. I mean, either way, it's tough to just draw a parallel between those right. two indicators. I mean, I don't I don't know that one that, that I don't know that there's cause and effect there. Right, exactly. That's the biggest one. The first thing is the the people who, you know, they were trying to prove a hypothesis that the more money you had, if you had a high, let's say that you had uh $10,000 in your high deductible savings account. Their idea was that you would be more cost conscious than somebody who was had lower amount of money because you have more money in there. So obviously you've made cost conscious decisions because you have more money in your account. Uh, that to me is just there are a hundred other ways I would think of it. The first of which is uh, I have a high deductible plan for my kids, <clears throat> and so uh, basically I have to spend seven thousand dollars of my own money before insurance covers it. So I'm right in this group, and and I can okay. tell you that if your account balance is low. That means you're having to spend your money on healthcare for, for one. So this is just one example. So I would have the opposite hypothesis. I would say that if you have low account balances, that means you're more actively involved in making healthcare decisions and would probably be more incented and thus more cost conscious to make the, the behaviors they're talking about. If you, if you have think, a yeah. rollover balance that's always high, then you know it's not a big stake for you. You're you're not spending a lot of money on healthcare, so you're really not as involved in it. So that's one way you could look at it. Uh, yeah. Another way people look at it in the comments is, well, look, people people who are poor are going to have less money in their in their account balances, and people who have higher account balances have more money to put in there. And if you have more money, you're less likely to sweat the small details of what does a prescription cost. So to Adam's point, that makes sense. Uh, first of all, you know, using the the level of the high deductible account to kind of draw a conclusion about how people make decisions is doesn't show anything. There's no cause or correlation there at all. Uh, so it's just it, it's just a really kind of flawed study, I think. And then I think it's flawed for the the author to then say, "See, that proves that people aren't making cost conscious decisions." Well, I think it really depends on the type of I mean, I, I just think back to the to the health savings accounts I've had in the past, and um, the one plan that jumps out at me it was kind of a it was part of it was part of a overall package, and I, I didn't put 
as much in there as I probably could have. And on, and at the end of the year, if I didn't, if I hadn't used that money, it was, it didn't roll over. It was gone. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it also depends on how knowledgeable people are of the plan that they have. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people who don't necessarily have regular, have any kind of a problem that they need regular healthcare for, they might just, they're just kind of less aware of their plan, what it is, what it's for, how things work. You know, you kind of become aware of what it is and how to use it when you get into those situations in which you actually need to utilize your, 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 your plan. Um, so I don't know. I think people, it's hard to draw, like, and to my point earlier, I think it's really hard to draw correlations just because I think people are still in the dark on how their plan works and how things are set up. And I don't know, right. the people who are very aware of that stuff are the people who use it a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, I'd agree with that, Adam. Yeah. It's just a very confusing, complicated setup, which yeah. makes it very hard to draw, to, to see relationships in some of this stuff. I mean, this well, might be kind and, of embarrassing. Unfor- What's that? I just said this what, might be what, kind Jackie? of embarrassing. Uh, well, this I said this might be kind of embarrassing, but I don't really, I'm not really sure about my plan right now. <laughs> yeah. It's not even it's not it's not even embarrassing. I mean, it's not it's just not no. something that you've had to think about really. And as soon as you're in a position right. in which you do have to think about it, that's when you'll you know that's when it Dive for you probably it. makes sense to spend the time learning exactly what it is. I mean, I mean, I'm not proud to admit that, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a risky way to look at it too. But you know, we have we've got. You know, anybody who has a specialty in some other area, you know, that's where kind of where you devote your time to uh, learning about things and improving your skills. And there's all these other areas of life, health insurance being one of them, that it's like, you know what, I can't, you know, I'm kind of aware of what's going on, but I haven't had to be. So I'm not, I can't really afford to devote a bunch of time right. to learning it right now. It's like, it's like my yeah. snowblower yep. broke down. I'm not going to go learn how to repair a, a small engine on my own. Or I'm not going to learn about it ahead of time so that when the time comes that I know how to fix it on my own, I'm going to deal with it when the time comes. And I did. I brought the damn thing to Sears and they fixed it. <laughs> Here, here's the problem, I think. First of all, I think the study itself was flawed. Second of all, the connection the author makes or the conclusion she takes away is misplaced. Uh, but then there's also the whole idea that it seems like she's just looking for something to fit her viewpoint because here's what she says. Um, she kind of has her hot points. Consumers don't behave in straight line, lockstep fashion when it comes to healthcare consumption, which I agree with. The general rules of economics mm-hmm. 101 don't apply for a whole range of reasons. I and many, many other economists have discussed. Here's a post I wrote in February that highlights some aspects of market failure. So she's trying to find evidence to support her take that uh, consumers right. don't behave in normal economic ways, which, by the way, I don't think they, they don't act in economic 101 ways with any purchase. Because that's classic economics. I'm right. more of a behavioral economic guy. But um, but here she goes on to say this, and I do agree with this. Don't assume that consumers having more financial skin in the healthcare game will make them smarter health consumers. To me, I totally agree with that. And, and the, the best example of that is the whole push for like privatizing Social Security. This whole, the whole argument that, hey, people will be smarter with their money than the government would be. Not that the government is smart with your money. I don't want to get into the political part of it. But people have proven demonstrably that they're not smart with their money. They're not. They don't save for retirement. That's why you have Social Security in the first place, because people can do it on their own. Uh, people <laughs> lost tons of money in the market. So to assume that just because they have more money to invest, they're going to be smarter investors is 
ridiculous. Yeah. And the, and the, I think that holds true for healthcare. Just because we have more money, you know, that's at stake doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be smarter about it. Right. Uh, I think yeah, the difference. So, I, I agree with that. I think the difference with the social security example, for example, um, is that at least in that case, those who are smart with their money now have a, a, some sort of a choice. Well, you always had a choice. You don't have a choice about social security. You can't opt to not put social, not contribute to oh, social oh. security. No, my, I mean, my point is a that, choice about investing. Right. Right. There are people who there's certainly the, probably the vast majority of people given the choice to take their money and privatize it would not make responsible decisions or wouldn't, they wouldn't even know where to begin or what to do with it. But the nice thing about that is that you have a choice at that point. So that at least those of us who are good with our money or responsible or invest it wisely. And I'll say that in quotes because who knows what wise investing is these days, kind of like we're in new territory. <laughs> um, at least they have the option to do so. So people who want to be smart and are smart can, can do that at that point. Well, we're going to get political, aren't we? I mean, Social Security <laughs> was not Social Security is not meant as oh, a retirement. No. You know, it's not meant as your retirement. It's meant as a safety net. It's the same right. argument for like seatbelt laws. You know, should people have a choice not to wear a seatbelt? A lot of people would say yes, they should have that choice, and that's a, a bogus law. It costs our society so much when people don't wear it. It's the same thing with retirement. If people were left to their own devices, we would have so many destitute senior people that it would just completely overwhelm our society, oh, sure. which is why Social Security came about in the first place, was to help people, like, give them at least something uh, that they knew was going to be there no matter what. Yes, right. it doesn't in, earn in as theory, much and blah, blah, blah. In theory, blah, it was a good idea. But the problem now <laughs> is that it was just has not been managed properly and the money is gone. Right. Okay. So let's not, let's not, let's go move on from that. <laughs> But I, it's just interesting to me when I don't know. It's it, we'll post the link to this article. Maybe people can take their own conclusions from the from the study. But uh, mm-hmm. just just some weird thoughts in there. Okay, let's go another one, Adam. That you posted this. Uh, I liked it a lot. the The title of it is mm-hmm. "Branding Should Have a Backbone," right. and it's a blog post from uh, that, that appeared in Graphicology. Uh, so again, you know. Disclosure, fair disclosure. This article is written by a designer, uh, which doesn't necessarily make it good <laughs> or bad. But when you hear the points, the points are basically companies need to stop listening to masses when it comes to changing their logos uh, and getting all mm-hmm. getting their panties in a bunch uh, when people say negative things because they're going to say negative things no matter what. And you need to have a spine. Is that a right. good way to summarize that? Yeah, that sums it up. You know, I think I think his. His yeah. uh, post pretty much captures what we also have said in the past um, in that, you know, the examples he uses are great. You know, he starts off with Starbucks, who has recently gone from, you know, uh, they recently uh, announced their change in, in their brand identity in which they are taking their name off of the logo. And it's just going to be the, the mark. And the mark is evolving a little bit, but it's still kind of that mermaid um, in a circle. But it won't have their name on it anymore. Um, and it so, won't have coffee in it. That's and the key. it won't have co- coffee either. It'll just be just be this icon, right? Um, and so he starts off with that example and shows some examples of online conversation with people blasting that and how they hate it. Um, and then he jumps on Gap as well, and and with that whole fiasco that we talked about in a couple podcasts uh, last year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his main point is that you know the people behind these decisions are educated. And in many cases, they're bringing in some of the 
most educated and experienced professionals in the world to help them with these shifts. Um, examples such as uh, Pentagram and right. uh, Duffy. You know, so the, these these decisions are not hap- are, are not happening on a whim. There, there's a lot of you know research in many cases that goes into these changes, and to to just discredit all of that because you've got a handful of people who don't know anything really when it comes to your business um, or are not educated in design um, saying I hate it for whatever reason. And then you shifting your approach on branding based on that um, is just, it's a backwards way of thinking. It's the wrong way to approach it. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially when most of these people will forget about the whole they'll forget they'll forget about it in a week's time. You know, right. they might be mad now, but in next week they're not gonna care. So I don't know, it's a great it's a great article. I'd recommend giving it a read. Um I I agree with his stance. You know, there are probably some I, I you, at the same time, you know, you can't totally discredit what your customers are saying. You want to listen to them. Um right. just be smart about it. Well, I thought he brought up a good point too, is that, you know, back in the day we didn't have the technology we do now in the forums. Like, you know, these recently, these companies that have rebranded or whatever, it's just, it makes it so easy for people to just weigh in and be heard yeah. pretty much. Well, there's, so, there's a few problems. Yeah, there's a few problems, you know, now, and problems might be the wrong word, um, but differences today versus, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Right. You know, now your voice, you can make yourself heard. You, just, you go leave comments on somebody's website, you go on Twitter and you know, be spastic about whatever it is that you're feeling. <laughs> you go on Facebook and at least there you're, you know, just not, you're not right. posting to the world in many cases. Sometimes people are, if they're not keeping their stuff private. Makes it but, easier for a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the biggest yes. difference is a, it's extremely easy to be heard and extremely easy to get your voice out there. Um, and B, the accountability thing, you know, we've talked about this in the past. You can go on these, you can go onto a blog and post as some anonymous schmo and you're not, in which case people are just free to be negative and it's like they don't feel, you know, their, their comments aren't tied to their name. They're not held accountable for them. There's no repercussion to their actions or what they say. So they say anything and they say some mean things. They say some degrading things. They say awful right. things in many cases because their name isn't associated with it because they know it's just this anonymous crap that they're spewing into the, into the world. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's so, it's such a different landscape these days. And people are, unfortunately we've seen cases like gap where they're letting that drive their decisions right. or making that, making them second guess what they've, you know, decisions that a lot of time and effort have been put into. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the, when the desktop publishing revolution started in the eighties, and it's the same kind of thing. You put tools in the hands of masses. Just because somebody can now design a newsletter does not make them a designer. Right. Right. Just because I can now have a voice on Twitter with an opinion it does not make me qualified to have an opinion. Uh, and I'm not trying to be elitist. I'm not trying to be a snot. But seriously, you know, if you're going to listen to every Tom, Dick, and Harry who's got an opinion about your logo, <laughs> just give it up. I mean, I'm trying to be extreme here, but that's kind of the point right. of his, you know, he says, clearly the design of a brand will be engaged by the public in some way, and it's important they know for what it stands, but it's not important they like how it looks for a lot mm-hmm. of the reasons that you've already articulated, Adam, that he says in here. I mean, they don't know design. They can't envision the context in which it's going to be used. 
some he points out like some people hate Starbucks. It doesn't matter what they would put out. They would hate the Starbucks logo right. because they hate because Starbucks. They hate Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, your logo is not the entirety of your brand. It's just a symbol for it. Um, you know, attention spans are shorter. Uh, all, there's just a litany of reasons why he calls it insane to <clears throat> these companies like Gap, um, kind of reverse field based on flack. So, you know, he quotes some things from Duffy in here. Again, these are, we're kind of the choir preaching to ourselves, this blogger, Duffy Design, ourselves. But, you know, I think there's a lot of fair points in here. So, yeah. I think it was a great article. It's one that I think we should save. And the next time we do an identity project, have everybody involved in the project read. Go, just prepare yourselves because no matter what we do, there'll be people in this group that have these feelings, and there will definitely be people out in the community that have these feelings. And don't expect to find a logo that avoids that because you will never find it. Right. Right. You know what's people interesting? Don't, I'm on one more quote because I just love this. People don't seem to like change even when it makes sense. Give them something that is smart and forward-thinking or maybe even challenging at first, and they'll eventually accept it. Though if you ask them, they'll probably deny it. That's, I think that sums it up. Right. Yeah. What were you going to say, Adam? I was just going to say, you know, something that I've noticed several times just on Facebook when you, you know, you like something and then you're their their status updates or their their announcements are posted to your wall. Obviously, anybody who has used Facebook knows this. Um, but it's it's just it, it never ceases to amaze me how many people who don't like something still like it. So you so like Caribou Coffee, for example, is one thing that apparently I've liked in the past. Um, so I get their updates and they'll, they'll announce like, I think one time they announced that they're doing oatmeal or something and half of the com- bunch of comments right away on this status update was how they are so behind how the other coffee makers were doing this already. It's kind of like, it's just ironic. You know, people click the like button, but clearly they don't like anything about what they liked because all they have to do, all they have to offer is negativity that they're spewing onto the status update. It's just, it's so interesting and bizarre people are bored it's like why did you like why did you like them if clearly you don't like them (laughs) (laughs) like i said people are moving on to our fun yeah yes they are they have way too much time in their hands maybe once the economy picks back up a lot of this will drop off (laughs) okay (laughs) um well the last the last one is one that we should have some fun with. Uh, we saw this before the holidays, but we wanted to bring it back up. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out where the heck this came from. We saw it on Forbes, right? First? Yeah. I think that's where yep. it lives. And it's uh, tw- the most annoying corporate jargon is the title. 26 words a CEO should never say. Uh, and they've it. got a list of, I guess, 26 words. Uh, that they just find to be terrible jargon, overused, cliche, confusing, whatever. Uh, and a lot of these are awesome and are total pain points for me. Some of them I know <laughs> I use myself. So some of them are so funny. I think funny. that's fair. Do you guys have any favorites on the list? Where is the list? Up a yeah, wall? I, I read the article on forums, but the list is not there. So I actually haven't in, seen the list. In your email, you have to. Um, you have to go. You have to click on the link in the article that says corporate jargon, and it takes you to a page that looks like it's full of ads. 
and you have to wait for uh, the at the square ad in the left to kind of be done, and then it's like a slideshow oh. that you click through. It took me a couple times to figure it out. What a crap website, Forbes! Get your act together. <laughs> it's pretty. Jeez, <laughs> it's just nothing but ads. There's no, you can't even find the damn content. Yeah, it's it's not good. It looks yeah. like a picture of a cow. Yeah, I see the cow. Yes. So click. Do you see the next? Up to the right, it says glossary, yeah. the most annoying business the t- jargon. The, that next link, and the it, smallest thing on the damn page. Yes, that's right. You click Good that, and God. that will take you through the slideshow. Good lord! Or it's yeah, in your it's email. Bad. So, do you have any? Do you have any favorite uh, favorites on this list, you guys? So yes. I have to scroll through the slideshow to see every one of them. Yes, you do. No. Or it's in your email. <laughs> yeah, I what? emailed them all to you. Did you see that? Yeah. When was that? Last week. No, like when you asked me ago? just like before the podcast, you said I can't I can't access this bleep 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 site. Oh, so yeah, I just that's, that's I better. wrote them all down and I sent them to you. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's no, one. In, there's some obvious ones in here. Synergy. Jackie, why don't you start? Do you have any that you? That well, really... some of them aren't too bad, but what the heck is boil the ocean? It just that's imp- I, I don't even know what that right? means. No, it basically means you're trying to do too much. You're trying to do everything well, yeah, at once. Right. You can't boil the ocean. So it's just, it basically means you should focus. Okay. I just kind of like that one. I didn't, I never heard that one before. And then <laughs> low hanging fruit. I hear fruit. that a lot. Yeah, I've heard that. Synergy is, seems to be a popular one lately. That, well, synergize here, but that You said low hanging fruit, Jackie? <laughs> I did. That's the one I say a lot. <laughs> no, Manage expectations. Yeah, that's a great one. Think outside of the box. That that's almost so cliche and that's beaten, it. beaten down yes. that it shouldn't even be on this list anymore. It's cliche to call that out as cliche. That's yeah. what I was going to say <laughs> about that. Yeah, it is. Stop calling that out as oh. giving a hundred and ten percent to that. It's like shut up. <laughs> and I like hard stop. Hard stop. Hard yeah, stop. Yeah, Jackie. We like for hard a lot stop, of reasons. What exactly is a hard? Yeah. Is there a such thing as a soft stop? If you stop, well, you that's stop. the point. The point of the thing is like a hard stop is just a completely pretentious term. It, what it means is like if I say I have a hard stop at three, it means I have to stop. I have to leave whatever I'm doing at three no matter what. Uh, but the connotation is I have something at three that's way more important than any than of you? the crap that you have <laughs> yeah. going on up until then. So if I'm talking to you or I'm in a meeting for you, I don't care what we're talking about, but I'm walking out at three. It's just <laughs> It makes you sound like you're really important and you really right. have a lot going on. Yeah. And, uh, it's not intended that way a lot of times. It's intended to mean like I have a meeting with somebody that I have to be at, so I can't go over. Uh, but that's a lot it of times comes across the takeaway people have of it. It's like, oh, well, excuse me. Yeah, how about we just don't even have this meeting then, douche? <laughs> that's right. I think we should break down the silos. Break down the silos. That's another one, yeah. Solution is a weird one. I mean, that, I mean that's, and I, again. Oh, solution is so overused by executives. Right, right. It's usually Let, tied. It's usually hyphenated to something up. Solution set or solution. Well, rarely is anything you talk, they're talking about actually a solution. What about no, let's talk just, that? Yeah, I've never I, heard that. I don't know that I've heard that Me one either. either. Drill down. Yeah. Ducks in a row. That's just kind of, that's like from the fifties. I use that. I'm sure. Price point. Move the needle. It is what it is. <laughs> I've never heard it is what it is overused. Move the needles used quite a bit. Yeah, it is what it is. Learning. Yeah. I think learning is probably my top three. Learning as a noun. We had a great learning oh, from that meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I took away a few learnings from that. Full service. <laughs> you hear that fairly frequently in healthcare. Manage expectations. Hear that. Yeah, that one just makes me want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> Take it to the next level. Out of pocket. Out of pocket's bad. And I, yeah. I try not to use that ever. That is so jargony. I'm going to be yeah. out of pocket while I'm in Paris. It's like, shut up. I'm going to be in pocket. <laughs> no, shut up. Exactly. I'm I try to be to out of pocket with a hard stop. Off the grid. I'm surprised off the grid's not on here. Not I like really. off the grid. That's no, I, don't a little mind, more... I don't mind off the grid. Yeah. How about I'm just going to, I'm not going to be available. I'm unavailable. How's that? Over the wall? That's... What exactly is that? I don't think I've heard that one. Uh, Me either. I don't, know. I don't know if it's toss it over the wall. Like run Any up a flagpole. I have to find it on the list. I, I don't really know what that is either. They make fun of price point, which is good because it's redundant. <laughs> you, you can almost always just <laughs> yeah. say price instead of price point. <laughs> At what price point will consumers like this? At what price will consumers like this? I'm kind of glad that we really don't use a lot of these. So you're saying Frequently. I can't use low-hanging fruit ever again? <laughs> that word just bugs me for a lot of reasons. It just doesn't sound. Yeah, there's right. a couple in here that we've used, but not many. Not many. I think we've. I think we'd shake our head at a lot of these, even over the, over the last couple of years. Yeah, they kind of make fun of giving 110. percent That's just that's so. It's a sports somebody, cliche more than a business cliche. Well, not only that, but it really is. What does it mean? I mean, seriously, your one hundred, your your one hundred and ten percent is going to be a, a lot different than mine. A lot different than the next person's. I mean, it's kind of like somebody imposing their own. Yeah. Well, if someone told if someone told you that, you'd be like, "Go pound sand." Yeah, like get bent. Well, it's supposed to, usually it's used as a as a compliment, like they gave one hundred and ten percent, or they're really you know or, it's, well, supposed I, to, it's supposed to oh. acknowledge people trying really hard. That's what I it's like. I want you to give one hundred and ten percent. But again, yeah, right. That's how I it looked could at be, it. Yeah, it's a, and it's all that that number is so relative. Like I said, you know, my one hundred and ten percent is not going to be the same as yours. It's not going to be the same as Jackie's. Not going to be the same as anybody listening. It's just well, neither is one hundred percent to that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're yeah, exa- you're exactly right. <laughs> oh, these are good. We should post these. Well, we'll post a link to the obnoxious. Wonder where things some of these came from, like boil the ocean. Who first said yeah. that? Because it's bizarre. not like it's not like it's a takeoff of something that happens somewhere else or ducks in a row. Who in the world first said, "Let's get our ducks in a row"? I know. <laughs> I mean, how old is it? It's like hundreds of years old. Well, that's what I said. Somebody I, had to say it, like in the seventeen hundreds or sixteen hundreds or something. Probably. What about low I mean, hanging totally fruit? Sounds old school. I mean, right, low-hanging fruit. Somebody had to say that first, and it wasn't a caveman. It was probably within the last <laughs> few hundred years, right? It'd be interesting to know where those first yeah, came they from, like, where they first were printed. Fruit hang, fruit low hang. Or out of pocket. <laughs> I mean, that has to be in the last 20 years. That's modern because it, it's. I would assume it means, well, I don't know, my assumption would mean that you're living off of, your, off of a mobile device of some sort. I mean, what I sense would that? you're unavailable. Like what you said. sense would that have made pre-cell phone era? Oh, I don't know. I think people are out of pocket even with cell phones. I think it could have come. No, that's what I mean. Okay. Would somebody have coined that phrase before cell phones were around? Because to me, that phrase says, "If I'm out of pocket," it means 
the only way you can get to me is via mobile, which is in my pocket. So that I could Here's imagine the quote. phrase older than like 20 years or not even Here's that, the quote years. that they give expenses come out of pockets. Quarterbacks come out of the pocket, but Johnny, well, he'll just be playing unavailable or out of the office. Like you said, I'm unavailable. I can't be reached. It's just amazing right, well, that we these can ask- just catch on like they do. Sorry. Line of sight. I, that's one I that's not on here that we could add, which I think is silly too. It's you. You see it mo- in bigger companies more. I have to say, uh, because I think it's part of like the political culture of power. <clears throat> and, it's probably and why. The, it's probably why this yeah. is, this list just makes me sick to look at it. Because that <laughs> kind of that kind of environment and culture makes me sick. Well, there's another one at the out. end that they list. There's one that they list at the end that is one I use a lot too, which is take it offline. So, like, let's have this conversation offline. I've said that I think within the last two weeks. And what does that? What exactly does that mean? It means Off whatever the, the formal. Yeah, well, whatever the formal means for communication are, you're going to have a conversation outside of those. Um, and usually, like when I say it, it's it's meant as a nod to all the other people who I don't think want to hear the bullshit. So in other words, let's not waste their time by talking about it now. Let's talk about it offline. Uh, but sometimes it's, again, it's used as a power play. Like we should have this conversation offline. The other people aren't worthy or we need to right, keep this from right. them or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of the, the problem with it. Besides this cliche circle back. That's a good one. <laughs> Why don't we circle back to the team? Ugh, that's that right there. Let's end the podcast with that, Adam. That encapsulates <laughs> what you hate about big companies. Yeah, the fact that you even have to circle back. Why? Why do we have to circle back? Can't we keep going? Yeah, how about we just move Let's forward? Move forward. <laughs> Considering we're continuously circling back. I know. Oh well. Well, let's end it there. Maybe All people right. can submit their own. Yeah, maybe they can call great. us on ours. I wonder if we Keep have adding. any jargon we use in our podcast. Oh, I'm sure. We use over and over. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, for arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Ritaco. Adam Meyer. We will talk to you next time. See ya. Bye.